0: Well, if you have a Bible, let's go ahead and open up this morning to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, it says, And then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing Jesus, they asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. And so Jesus answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed without a doubt i know uh, no matter who you are no matter if you're a christian or non-christian today if you have a non-objective view if you have a non-biased view there's no question at all that jesus christ is the most influential person who's ever walked the face of the earth and really the pivotal question the epicenter really of our existence you guys is the answer to that question who do you say jesus is you know, when Jesus Christ came to earth, he lived the first 30 years of his life in rather obscurity. Not many people knew who he was. He wasn't having a public ministry. But then the day came for Jesus to go out. And for three, three and a half years, he proved to mankind who he was. He raised the dead. He you know, made the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak. He spoke the greatest words ever spoken. He never wrote a book. He never owned a home. And yet today, you know, 2,000 years later, without a doubt, he's the most influential figure on the history of mankind. And so, you know, we come today and we're going to really come to the heart of that whole concept, you know. But it's kind of sad, you guys. Here we read in verse 1 regarding these individuals called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the first thing we see in verses 1 through 4 is this crazy conflict that endeavors that takes place between these religious leaders and jesus now for those of you who don't know that the pharisees were the conservatives of the day the sadducees were the liberals of the day the pharisees man they believed all their theology was right down to a t but the sadducees didn't the sadducees didn't believe in spirits they didn't believe in the resurrection they didn't believe in angels and demons they only believed in bits and portions of the bible And so these two right here, you know, prior to Christ, they were at odds with each other. But now they unite because they have a, a common enemy now, so to speak. They both really come to this whole setting right here without an open heart. And that is so important for us to really understand the way that spiritual things operate. You know, where you're at today, I don't know where you're at. Some of you here are Christians with closed hearts. Some of you here are non-Christians with closed hearts. And it'll never work that way. You'll never grow that way. You'll never see that way. You'll never be what God wants you to be with a closed heart. We have to have a soft heart, a sensitive heart, an open heart, an understanding that today God can reveal himself to us. You see, the Sadducees and Pharisees, they came with a closed heart. Therefore, they couldn't see what was right in front of them. They said, hey, teacher... Jesus, give us a sign from heaven. Send down lightning from heaven. Open the heavens. Do something like, you know, crazy, extraordinary, so that then we can believe in you and, you know, accept all the claims that you claim to be. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he just put Him in their place. He said, man, a wicked and adulterous generation, they're the ones that seek after signs. He said, you guys, and this is, you know, heavy stuff. He said, you guys are hypocrites you're hypocrites. I mean, the things that are so obvious, you can't see. You won't see. I mean, you look up at the sky, the Lord says, and you know, when you look up at the sky, obviously, there's a big monitor there. It's not one of these tiny TV screens, right? I mean, it's huge. It's the sky. God says, you look up at the face of the sky, and you're able to discern the weather. You know, he was proud of their meteorology. I mean, they had... You know, 7,000 Doppler thing. I mean, they were able to see if it was going to be a good day, a bad day. It was, You know, in one sense, the Lord was saying, you know, it's so obvious. You guys are able to discern the, the sky and the weather and the rain that's coming. But you're not able to discern, he said, the signs of the time. You know, I have a feeling that if Jesus was here today and some people came up to him, testing him, they weren't really open, they were trying to trap him. They weren't really open to the things of God. I have a feeling, you know what Jesus might say to them, especially some of the younger people nowadays? He would probably say something like this, you hypocrites, you're so advanced in your technology, but you are so primitive in your theology. So amazing how scientific you guys are as a society and how unspiritual you are. As a people. And in a sense what the Lord is saying. That's a visual right there. That's a picture of hypocrisy. Because if we open our eyes. If we really open our eyes. Man right in front of us. We can see the signs of the times. I mean you look at a little leaf you look at a little bug i mean i look at my dog chip i look at just the creation that's out there that general revelation that i see that it's there it's in my heart and if i don't suppress it man i can see that there is a god that there is a maker and that's what the lord is trying to say to these guys man you guys are so advanced in your ability to see things like that but when it comes to who i am for some reason you won't see you know, the Lord would probably say to us today, you know, I see you guys, you know, you have your, uh, you know, gadgets and stuff. I see your iPhones. I see your iPods. I see your eye stuff, but you don't see I am. And that's where we just drop the ball, you guys. Whatever you do, man, don't be distracted. You know, Jesus Christ is there. He is here for us to see. And as we go through this whole thing right here, there is a conflict going on. It's the conflict of signs. You know, I I don't know if you guys are open, but but, um, do you know that the Lord is coming back very soon? Do you know that he can come back today, tomorrow? You know, we're living on borrowed time. I mean, I look at the earthquake in China, and I think, man, 50, maybe 50,000 people dying there in China. And I think, wow, the Bible talks about things like that. You know, I see the uh, the tragedy, the devastation there in, in Myanmar, and I think, man, up to maybe 100,000 people dying. Everybody sees it. The whole world finds out about it. It's just God's way of communicating, I believe, to us that he's coming so soon. It just... You've you got to see it. You've got to know it. You've got to open your eyes to understand that Jesus is coming so soon. The signs of the times. We look at the nation of Israel just this last May 14th, celebrating its 60th year anniversary as a nation. I mean, it's an amazing thing. The signs are there for us to see. We just need to open our hearts. I mean, I think of what happened on Thursday. It just broke my heart. It grieved my heart to understand that this is, state of california is now laying hands they're ordaining they're approving homosexual marriages i mean don't get me wrong we love the homosexuals with all our hearts just like god loves them but according to the scriptures it's not god's institution of marriage and we have put our approval upon it see the lord is coming i think out of all the things the wickedness of this world that we live in is revealing the fact that Jesus Christ is coming. And so, you know, whatever you do, man, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the Sadducees. The signs are there. They're huge for us to see. Make sure you don't get tripped up in that conflict. That's what we see there in verses 1 through 4. And then in, when we read on here in verses 5 through 12, we see the caution of the Lord. And this kind of build on each other because look what it says in verse 5. And now when his disciples had come to the other side, They had forgotten to take bread. And then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, Why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? And then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You know, you guys, as we live in this world, as we live on this side of time, uh, there will be conflicts when our hearts aren't open. And so I just want to encourage you today, no matter what you've gone through, no matter how much you failed this past week or what's ahead, what's going on right now, How many times you've been hurt or even whatever you think of him or her or even me. Please, whatever you do, don't close your heart to God. Whatever you do, don't close your heart to God. And the Lord Jesus then tells us this. Hey, I want to warn you about something. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, when the apostles heard Jesus say this, initially they thought he was speaking to them about physical food. Uh, according to mark they had only brought one loaf and so you know it's kind of funny how a lot of times we don't really understand it we're slow learners you know i look at the disciples right here and to be honest with you guys i think man there's hope for me (laughs) because man talk about being a slow learner i mean i look at the disciples and i kind of think they're retarded to be honest with you man (laughs) I mean, how can you worry? Think about this. In all reality, how can you worry about whether or not you're going to have enough bread When Jesus had just fed, you know, 10,000 people and, you know, 12,000 people, I mean, you know, 5,000 men and women, you know, you look at that, and you wonder how could they not learn? And so in one sense, I think it's kind of cool. The Lord is saying to me, there's hope for me. A lot of you here, you've come to this point in your life and you've got to acknowledge the fact that you're not there yet, that we've been kind of thick-headed in many ways, but please understand there's still hope. God can still use our life. God wants to use our life. He's willing to use anyone who's willing to say, here I am, send me. No matter what, no matter how much of a slow learner that you might be today. And you know, as you look at this story right here, you just got to know, man, that you and I, got, we serve a God that can do anything. You know, uh, just as a side note right here, I think it's so important for us to acknowledge the fact that when you look at that verse eight, look what the Lord says right there. Oh, you of little faith. See, that's the problem. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they had no faith. The disciples, they only had little faith. How about you? Where are you at this morning? Where's your faith this morning? You know, if we have great faith, we read about this Syrophoenician woman earlier, we read about Centurion earlier, then God will do great things. And it's not that you're so awesome, it's not that I'm so awesome, because we know who we are, we're nothing. It says that he is awesome and he is able to do anything. He is great, and that's all we do. We stand on his word. We believe his word. You see, we don't need signs to make our faith stronger. How do you know God is with you today? Because he promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's how we know. It's not because I feel him. It's not because I have this apparition that takes place. God is with you today as a Christian because he said, I will never ever leave you or forsake you. But I haven't been that good. He's still with you because of the love that he has for you. That's how we know. I think a lot of times Christians will go through life, they'll go in ministry and they'll wonder, is he with me? Yes, he's with you. Not because we feel it, not even because we see it, but because the Bible says so. How do you know God's in control of your life? Is it because everything is lining up just as you would have planned? Is it because, man, things are just going so great and therefore you know God is in control? No way. We know God is on the throne. We know God is in control because he said so. The Bible says, we studied this on Thursday, that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. See, God is totally, completely, absolutely on the throne. And we know it not because of the circumstances that we're approving of, but because of the fact that his word says so, we don't need signs. We've got to have more than that little faith. We need great faith. And as we open our hearts, there'll be less and less conflicts. And as we heed the word of the Lord, we can enter into this cautious state. You know, one of the greatest dangers in the church today uh, is the doctrine, the leaven of the. Pharisees and Sadducees. Look what it says there in verse 12. And then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What's this caution against? What's the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Well, you know, I think there's a few things that we can mention here. I think there's uh, probably four things that we can mention regarding the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You know, one might be this. If you interpret this verse in the immediate context right there, one of the doctrines of the Pharisees and Sadducees might be this, that they were sign-seekers. That they were sign-seekers. And I think that there's a lot of Christians like that. I think there's a lot of people in the world that we live in today that are sign-seekers, and that is how they walk. You know, the Bible says that the Jews... They blew it on this point. It says over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, that the Jews seek after a sign. That's the way the Jews were. And as a result of that, guess what happened, man? They, they missed it. They missed their calling. They missed their salvation. They missed their Messiah. Whatever you do, man, don't be a sign seeker. I think that's probably part of what Matthew is saying, what Jesus is saying here when you look at the context. Another thing that we know for sure as you read the Bible is that the Pharisees and the scribes, they had a heart of hypocrisy. The Bible specifically says that, that the leaven of the Pharisees and scribes is the whole concept of hypocrisy. And what is that, you guys? That's us playing church. That's us thinking that if I go to church on Sunday, then I'm fine and dandy and saved. That's us thinking that if we have a religion, then we're going to go to heaven when we die. See, the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, they were hypocrites. They were looking really pretty on the outside. They can fool all the men, but they could not fool God. And that's where we really have to beware, you guys. Is this really in your heart? Is this really a relationship with God? Or is it just a religion? Or is this just something you do on Sunday mornings? That's a terrible place to be. You know, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees was so evident. One of the things that we see about them is they didn't love people. And that's really how you can tell a lot about whether or not a person is really a Christian. Is not whether or not they say, oh God, I love you. Not whether or not they sing the songs and they have the great lip service. It's whether or not you really love people. Because God loves them. You know, we see the leaven of the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And we see one thing is probably the fact that they were sign seekers. Another thing is that they were hypocrites. Whatever you do, you guys, don't live a double life. You know, we're here today, and this is not a museum for saints. No one here is perfect, right? This is a hospital for sinners. And we are, you know, big sinners, without a doubt. But we don't, you know, then, you know, live a dual life. I think a lot of times what happens is people come to church and they put on a show. The Greek word here talks about being an actor. Whatever you do, do not be content with that. You know, the life that you live in front of the pastor or in front of the elders or in front of the church or the religious leaders should not be different than the life you live there with your husband and your wife, with your kids. Otherwise, we're hypocrites. And we have to beware of that level. Another thing I think that this talks about is the, the whole doctrine of, of legalism. You know, the Pharisees were very legalistic. And this kind of all goes hand in hand when you look at it. You know, the Pharisees, they took the word of God and, you know, they took the Ten Commandments and they added 612 commandments to that. And I really think that this ruined them. In their attempt to please God, they fell away. Because this is not a religion. This is not you know, a man-made thing with rules and regulations and traditions. No, this is a personal relationship with the Lord. You, know, you be real careful all those rules that you make that are not written in the Word. You be extra careful with all those rules that you make and you put on people that are not really explicitly revealed in the Word of God. You know, there's a lot of Christians, man. Unfortunately, what they end up doing is they come to the Lord and boom, they've got all these rules. And it's like, okay, you know what? What we need to do, and sometimes I see it and even they deal with new believers. And sometimes you see a new believer and they're so on fire for the Lord. They're so passionate for the Lord. They're so simple in their faith. And man, what ends up happening? Some legalistic Christian gets a hold of them and they ruin them and they quench them. That is the leaven of the Pharisees and a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole lump we can't be legalistic Christians I mean you can have your convictions and that's fine but if you're going to lay your burdens on other people you make sure it is clearly rooted in the word of God you know I think you know a lot of times what ends up happening I think we're all guilty of it you guys even in the Calvary Chapel which tends to be a little bit less you know with all the traditions and stuff We create our own traditions. And that's why sometimes it's good to do things a little different. Like even today, we're starting the service. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but we did something different. We've never done this before. Instead of opening in a word of prayer, we opened with a song, just a music song. And I heard some of you go, ah. I said, no, I'm just joking. You didn't do that. (laughs) But, you know, that song should be a prayer. In all reality, and it's not like we haven't been praying, we've been bathing this whole day, this whole morning in prayer. But, you know, we got to make sure that we don't get caught up in traditions. And I think that's part of what the Lord is saying. Hey, be careful One of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The things that, you know, a lot of times what ends up happening is we just, you know, have all these things. And God says, no, that's not of me. And then the last thing is this. When it comes to the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, is not just the legalism, but also the liberalism. And that's where the Sadducees were. I mentioned earlier that they didn't really believe in like the miracles or the angels or the spirits or the resurrection. They only believed in bits and pieces of the Bible. And that is something that if you go to school, if you go to some of these uh, seminaries that are really cemeteries, if you go there, man, a lot of times what ends up happening is, is parents, they lose their children in a Christian school, quote Christian, and they're not really Christian. we got to be real careful that we have an understanding, really, of what the Bible teaches. And so all these things, I think God is just saying, hey, there's a caution, man. Beware of this. Because when you let these things creep in, then that little bit of leaven, it permeates, it penetrates the whole loaf. And it just ruins this beautiful, simple, fresh christian got to be careful you guys but then the next thing is the confession and here's where we'll spend most of our time because look what it says in verse 13 and when jesus came into the region of caesarea philippi he asked his disciples saying who do men say that i the son of man am and so they said some say john the baptist some elijah another is jeremiah or one of the prophets." But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? You know, that right there, I don't know if you have a a freedom to circle your Bible, um, but you do, okay? (laughs) That right there, right there, that verse right there is one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? You know, we look at the video today and we saw a lot of different opinions, huh? And I don't know if you guys ever have a chance to dialogue with the people that are out there in the, the workplace, your friends, your family, all those people. I hope you do. I hope you conjure up conversations about Jesus. Really, you should be doing that. But, you know, when you have those conversations with all those people that are out there, man, you'll get a a plethora of opinions, won't you? You'll get so many things. Uh, But one of the things that you see regarding the video and regarding all these different opinions is that none of those that were errant were rooted in the Word of God. You see, the only way we know who Jesus is is not by what I think. It's by how he has revealed himself in the pages of Scripture. And, you know, you look at the opinions that are out there, and one thing I want to just encourage you guys to have in your heart is that, man, the majority (laughs) is wrong. Many, many times, man, the majority is wrong. But what we see as we read this is that the Lord gives Peter a supernatural revelation, and he says there in verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. How do I know who Jesus is? How do you know who Jesus is? Because this is what the Bible says. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's so cool when you really know that. And not only do you know that verse or you memorize that verse, but you know what it means. Because what does the word Christ mean, really? I mean, you guys are Christians. You believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, so what does Christ mean? Anointed one, exactly. Anointed one. It takes from the Hebrew. It's the Greek. It's the the Messiah. It's the Christ. Now he's the anointed one, anointed to do what? Anointed king. Anointed prophet. An anointed priest. See, those were the three offices in the Old Testament that had the anointing upon their lives. The king, the prophet, the priest. Jesus Christ as the king, he rules over everything. And so I pray you would know he's the king. Jesus Christ as the prophet speaks God's message. I pray you would know. Jesus Christ as the priest died for our sins. And when you understand what the Christ means, the anointed, empowered, called, Messiah, Messiah, Christ, King, Prophet, Savior, then you'll have an understanding of who he is. Not only is he the Savior, but he's also, it says right there, the Son, the Son of the living God. Now, when Jesus Christ revealed himself as the son of the living God, later on in this gospel, the high priest tore his clothes. He said, blasphemy. Why? Because he knew that as Jesus said this, he was claiming to be deity. And it's so important for us to understand who Jesus is. He's the savior and he is the son, the son of the living God, the you know, Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we believe in the Trinity. And this is how God has revealed Himself to us. And this is very important. You know, I uh, the other day I went and did a hospital visit, and as I was visiting one individual here, there was another individual next to him that uh asked, you know, for prayer. I went up talked to him for a while, then I prayed with him. And we were having, you know, some kind of cool fellowship but then what ended up happening was he told me, you know, I'm different. I don't believe Jesus is God. And this was an old man. And, you know, um, when it comes to old, older men, I know I'm getting old. Some of you young people think I'm old, huh? All right. <laughs> I'm in between right now. But there are some older men. <laughs> there are some older men, and I just, I, I, I respect them. We should respect people who are older than us, you guys. And so when he said he didn't believe in in Jesus being God, there was all of a sudden a sudden conflict going on within me. You know, he seems to have all the vernacular right. He seems to have a sensitive heart. But now he denies that Jesus is God. And so I was kind of going back and forth. What should I do? I kind of paused. I went back over here. But the Lord would not allow me to leave without going up to that man whom I respected and open up the Bible and tell him, this is what the Bible says, Russell. Jesus said, if you don't believe I am he, you will die in your sins. It's so important that we know who he is. He's not your typical teacher. He's not your random rabbi. He's not just a prophet or a savior. He is God, the king, the prophet, the priest. And unless we come to that understanding, we won't have a clue really what goes on. As a matter of fact, this is the confession that we need to confess. This is a formal declaration that we need to declare. Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, as we do that, then it's so cool because then the Lord will confess to us. That's what the Lord did because uh, we read that there in verse 17. It says, And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona." For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you. It's so cool. It's like the, you know, the way that it works. If we confess, then he will confess and he will say to us, look what he says to the church, that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. It's so cool, man, as we make that declaration, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, as we have that you know, formal you know, ratification in our heart of who he is, that the Lord says, cool, then I'm going to say this to you. And he says this to Peter, and in one sense he says it to us all. In the Greek language, he says, you are uh, Petros. It means a little stone. And on this Petra, which means a big rock, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And, you know, there are some, just as a real quick side note here, who say, well, this is the Lord saying he's going to build his church on Peter. But just stop and think how foolish that is. Think about it. God is going to build his church on a man? No way, huh? That's not going to happen. I mean, we even look at the scriptures and we know that the Bible says for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, the foundation that the church is built on is the confession of Christ. Is Christ the confession? It's Him. He's the rock of ages. It's built on Him, on who He is. But it's so cool, the Lord says this, I will build my church, it's a promise, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now, in the Jewish understanding, and the culture, the gates, the city gates, were kind of like the city hall of nowadays. It was the place of authority. And really, when you look at the authority of the enemy, the, 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 the opposition, God says, there's absolutely no way that they will prevail. You look at this right here, and we see it's kind of like the Lord saying, you know what, there's a a defense here, and there's an offense here. There's a defense here, you guys. If you're a Christian, if you love the Lord, and if you have a clue, if you kind of just, you know what, I want to serve you, Lord, then man you're going to get attacked. The enemy is going to come against you. I mean, he won't kick a dead horse, but somebody who really loves the Lord, somebody who really loves people, somebody who really wants to make a difference in life, you will, you know, be under assault. The Bible says to be sober, to be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that means he's lined up. Boom. Remember when you used to play football? Remember a long time ago, you guys? Remember how you would line up right there? And they would line up right there? That's what the adversary is. Satan, the word Satan, it means adversary. And so understand that there you are lined up right there. And there he is lined up right there. And he's just an amazing, amazing creature in the sense that he has the the deceptive abilities. You know, a lot of times what ends up happening, I don't know where you guys are at in your Christianity. Uh, I don't know if you really know that there is a calling on your life, that you have been given gifts to give back to God. I don't know if you've really caught that vision yet or not, but man, you really need to because, you know you got to understand, and I always try to tell, especially some of these young people right here, give God your strength. Give God, you know, the best of the best, the fat of the firstborn. Give God your life. Because he really wants to do such a work in this world that we live in, but he's just looking for people who are available and surrendered. And so as you have that heart, then understand the enemy will come in and he will oppose you. But it's so cool, because guess what? He won't win. He won't win. He won't win. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. I was uh, talking to a friend the other day, and they are talking about how they don't like to watch the Laker game, you know, live, because you know how it is. Doesn't it just eat you up when they lose a close game? For us that are carnal, you know, it's just a crazy <laughs> thing, man. <laughs> and uh, so they were telling me, you know what I do is I record the game, and if they win, I watch it. <laughs> well, let me just share this with you guys. This game is over. It's not a game, but, but it's already over. The Lord Jesus Christ wins. God wins. And you just need to stay on that team, that's all. The Bible says, The just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Just keep believing. Just keep believing in the Lord. There is a defense there. The enemy has come in. He's tried to assault the word of God. He's tried to assault the saints of God. He's done the best that he can to wipe us out. But here we are 2,000 years later, still loving the Lord and still making an impact. There is a, a defense here. There is also an offense here, huh? That as you go and you storm the gates of hell, as you go, think about it, and you reach out to the lost that God will give us, the victory. It's so awesome. The Lord says, as a matter of fact, I'm going to give you keys. That's cool. <laughs> and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose, it'll be loosed. And really what that means is that there's a church. You are given that you know, delegated authority that as you're in conjunction, if you read it literally in the Greek, if you read Kenneth Weiss, he talks about how what God binds, we will bind. How what God looses, we will loose. And it's so amazing, man, how God will give us that victory. And so the Lord just shares this with them, the confession. And it's so cool because it says in verse 20, And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Eventually they would. The time had not yet come. But then we move to the last thing this morning, and that is the cross. We see the conflict. God help us to have an open heart. We see the caution. Make sure, you guys, that you stay away from the leaven. Of the Pharisees and Sadducees. We see the confessions. That we confess Jesus as Lord the Christ. The son of the living God. And he confesses victory for us as a church. But then there's one last thing. That we got to make sure that we understand as well. And that is the cross. Because look what happens in verse 21. It says. And from that time. Jesus began to show to his disciples. That he must go to Jerusalem. And suffer many things. From the elders and chief priests. And scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And then Peter took him aside, and he began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Please understand, you guys. Before that crown there must be a cross. And here we see the Lord's cross. We're going to see later our cross. And the enemy will do everything he can to hinder us, to distract us from that cross that belongs to us. Now, we know when Jesus was nailed to the cross that he died for the sins of the world. And it's kind of an amazing thing, and sometimes I think it's a picture of me how at one moment Peter is uh, speaking the supernatural revelation <laughs> from the Father, and how the very next moment, man, he's being influenced by dev- the devil. You know, you guys, you guys do that sometimes, huh? It's an awful thing, man. But here we see Peter right here. His problem was that just man, he wasn't he wasn't mindful of the things of God, and so that's why we always have to be on guard. The Bible says to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not stop being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2, what does it say? Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. When we start setting our mind on things on the earth and you get caught up in the American dream, the white picket fence, when you begin to put sometimes even your family before the Lord, you begin to you know, get caught up in materialism and comfort zones. Oh, no way, Jesus, you're not going to the cross. I mean, who are you telling the Lord what to do? Peter, don't you know by now he's never wrong? But the Lord, you know, he puts him in his place. Get behind me. I'm sure that was a very humbling experience for Peter, man. But Jesus had to go to the cross. There was no other way. Where would we be today if Jesus didn't go to the cross? We'd be in hell. He had to go to the cross. And you have to go to the cross. You do too. That's what we read in verse 24. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. A lot of the problem in the church is that people don't understand that their calling as a Christian is to deny themselves and to take up their cross and follow Him. You know, we usually take up the road less traveled. We take up the one that's the one of least resistance, I mean. And that is a problem that we have. You guys, we really have to make sure that we deny ourselves, that we take up our cross, and that we follow him. Because, you know, when you look at life, really it consists in three things. Ambitions, possessions, and relations. Ambitions, possessions, and relations. And if any of that is before the calling of Jesus Christ on your life, then you have not taken up your cross. You have not denied yourself. I think a lot of times what happens in the church visible is that there are people who are here who have not really taken up their cross. They haven't really died yet. They're still alive and well. It's like, you know, kind of like you haven't given God your pink slip. You still own your own life. You still do your own thing. And I want to share something with you. This is kind of a heavy concept right here because you know some people don't realize that this is imperative for salvation. There are a lot of people in the church and they come to the church visible and they're not really saved. Why? Because they are still holding on to their sin. You see, you can't have salvation if you insist on your own will and you hold on to your own sin. We need to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Because he said right there, if anyone wants to come after me, anyone wants to come after me, then he has to die to himself. He has to take up his cross. And so I just want to encourage you guys this morning as we look at the life of Christ, that we would just come to this place, man, where we, you know, we throw in the towel, we raise the white flag of surrender. We just say, God, take me, take all of me. God, I will die to myself, not my own ambitions or possessions or relations. It's no longer my life. No part of this is my life. God, I do the exchange this morning. I give you my life so that I can have your life. And as we embrace the terms of, of discipleship and Christianity. Then it says right there in verse 27, we will be rewarded. Kind of like we read through this chapter right here. And the first portion right there is men who have no faith, absolutely no faith, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then we move on to men who had little faith, little faith. But as we close today, I just pray we would have saving faith saving faith because you know none of us knows man when we're going to die and our job our, our our desire as a leadership here is to prepare you for that day that when you die you'll go to heaven and there's only one way and that is through jesus christ as you give your life to him as you say here am i i'm a sinner i'm all messed up i'm all jacked up i can't get it up to together i can't clean anything lord but you know what here am i i just come to you as i am and as you do that this morning then guess what? He will embrace you. He will wash you. And he will send you on a mission that you'll never, ever, ever regret. This is what it's all about. Us fully yielding our life to Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, then today I just want to encourage you to do that with all your heart. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for your word, Lord God, that just, uh, there's so much here, Lord, I... Ah, I pray that you would just lay it on our hearts to study and to dig deeper. But Lord, we see the conflict there and I just pray that that what conflict wouldn't exist in our hearts, that we wouldn't be sign seekers, that we wouldn't be superficial, Lord. I pray, God, that by your grace and by your Holy Spirit that our hearts would be always be open to who you are, Lord. We see the caution there, the leaven, Father, that ruins so many. Oh, God, Please. Help us to beware of that leaven. Lord, we see the confession there of Peter and of you, Lord, and we just thank you for that, Lord, for revealing to us, Lord God, who you are and how this works. But we also see the cross. We thank you for your cross, and Lord, I just pray today that if there's anyone here who has not really taken up their cross of self-denial and just yielding to you the ownership of their life, the Lord, I pray today, only you can save a soul, Lord, that you would save uh, people today and just give them that faith, that grace, that life that they need. And just as every eye is closed and every head is bowed today, you're here and, uh, and you're not a Christian or somebody invited you here and, uh, or you don't know really what would happen to you if you died. This is really the most important part of the service that God brought you here today because he loves you. And if you're willing to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, then today everything will change. Then today he will give you life. He will write your name in the book of life so that when you die you can go to heaven. If you're here today and you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want to turn from your old life and embrace a new life, Just want to give you that opportunity right where you're at. Just want you to raise your hand as a step of faith, confession of faith, and we're going to pray for you this morning. Anyone here, anyone here that wants to receive the Lord, man, right where you're at, just take that step, man, and raise your hand. Anybody. If you feel your heart pounding, uh, just in case, man, that's because there's a battle going on for your soul. So don't let the enemy win, man. Anyone here? Just raise your hand. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to be here to study your word, to just focus on Jesus. I pray for your beautiful people, Lord. I pray you would send us out, Lord, uh, with joy, with with a challenge, Lord, with an understanding of who you are, Lord. We just thank you so much for allowing us to be here this morning. May you be with us now, Lord, and all the things that are going on in our life, the questions we have, Father God. uh, Lord, may you answer, may you lead, may you guide, may you draw us closer to you, we pray, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.